Welcome to the Taproot Podcast with Lauren and Lon, a space to reconnect with the source of your passion for education and be replenished. All right, y'all. So episode two, here we are doing it once We're again. Doing it. Coming to you here. weekly. You know. So as we have been doing, we're going to do a check-in and we like to have themes for our check-in. And today's theme is about this idea of presence. And so with that in mind, Lauren, if you could share with our very large listener audience, how are you doing? And as it relates to being present um, recently. Well, recently isn't very much different than normal. I'm terrible at being present. It is, it is not a skill that I have. I have to really practice and really work at it because at any given moment, I might be rehearsing things from the past and um, thinking do. about, yes, thinking about how something could have been better or um, why something happened the way that it did, or uh, I'm in the future. I'm thinking about what's going to happen next and what does that mean and what is that going to be like? And so for me to be in the present is really challenging. And I have to, first of all, I have to notice that I'm not being in the present. And then I have to really do particular things to be in the present. What about you, Lon? So what you're really saying is that you're a human. Well, I mean, the rumor is. That is the rumor. Okay. So uh, for me, I would say that... It depends on what is immediately happening. I think that, like you said, there's moments where it's harder for me to be present, especially when I'm trying to predict the future or what's going to happen, you know, kind of getting wrapped up in those thoughts. It's just pockets of time. Yeah. Thinking about, I mean, I, I it's natural for us to rehash the past and try to predict the future and... I think that in some ways this quarantine has helped me be more present with a lot of things, with a lot of simple things that you kind of rush past in the morning huh. or, you know, on your way to work or whatever it is. So there is those opportunities to be more present with simple things. And then, of course, there are moments as well. Um, I feel like for me, it's weirdly for me, it just has been easier to be more present. And I've you know, it's changed since the beginning of quarantine and from then until now, but I've been able to let go bit by bit slowly, a lot of the anxieties that come with this time. And so it's just a slow acceptance over time that this is the new world that we live in and that even any kind of what we would call opening is just not going to be the same. And so slowly accepting the present and then the possibility that the future will be very different than what we know. And so it's been a slow process and yeah. it's had like stops and starts of like acceptance of, you know, at times getting caught up and at times being able to be much more present than I have right. before COVID-19. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. One of the things that I have been thinking about recently is that you know, we're at the end of April now, and let's imagine that there was no COVID-19, and we're not in quarantine, and we were just doing our regular life, and we're coming to the last month of school. And I was thinking about how this is a time of a lot of uncertainty, no matter what, 
right? Yeah. Even if we're not in this current situation, um, May brings about a lot of anxiety about, well, what is next year going to be like? And what's my assignment next year? And uh, am I ready to do that? And what do I have to get ready to be able to do that? And um, this year, there's also extra anxiety as there has been in the past, where people are feeling uncertain about their job, and whether or not they will continue to have their same job next year. And, you know, those things have been true in the past under normal circumstances. And now we're in these completely abnormal circumstances. And so, like we've talked about in the previous episodes, um, that uncertainty now is just getting magnified. It's compounded by a lot of different factors. Yes. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm already thinking about, you know, how, how are we going to start school? Are we going to start school like this? And, and then what are the feelings that that brings up for me? And so trying to stay in the present right now is extra challenging. It would have been challenging anyway, but right now it's really extra challenging because there's these unknowns that are kind of hanging out there. Yeah, and I think that just the general vibe right now lends itself to anxiety. And depending on, you know, me and where I'm at in terms of my headspace, I might attach to anxiety to things like trying to predict the future, right? And so, you know, as humans are brains were literally designed through evolution to be able to predict. Our minds are prediction machines. And the reason for that is that it causes safety for us. It allows us to plan for the future. And when we have those taken away, it causes a fight or flight response. The inability to plan for the future, I feel like we know what's going to happen, does cause this you know, physiological reaction. Yes. You know, the things that you mentioned, a lot of people have questions about that. And I guess for me, it's, you know, this is a true test of sitting with uncertainty because there's predictions and, you know, you turn on the news or whatever and people try to make predictions. Here's what would have to happen before the economy to open back up. Here are the conditions and people trying to make predictions about when that will be and how that will be. And it's the reality is, is that even though we're how many weeks now into quarantine? I, I'm having, I've lost track. Like I'm sure many of you listening have. Um, it's six weeks now, I believe. Six weeks. So six well, weeks for us. Now. It might be seven for other people. Like truly, it's an unfolding situation, and what we're learning more about COVID every single day is all of these other side symptoms and complications that we didn't know. And so there's right. much more to learn about the virus itself, and. Right. It's still an evolving situation. I think that there is, you know, to try to make a prediction is just, I don't, I don't know if that's a useful exercise. Um, right. Right. I'm thinking about what you said about how being in this stressful, uncertain environment uh, puts us into the fight or flight response mode. And then there's also the, the response mode of just shutting down. Um, I can't fight and I can't run away, so I'm just going to shut down. And yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if there were people feeling that. I mean, I feel tempted myself once in a while to shut down because I don't feel like I can fight what's going on and I certainly can't run away from it. 
And so the option that I'm left with is just kind of shutting down. And that's very different from acceptance. Shutting down and acceptance are not the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like you said, it's a freeze response because there's just a feeling of, well, I can't predict the future, so I can't do anything, right? And that's where being present really comes in, really knowing that the only thing that is certain is this particular moment. And I think that as organisms that are very, you know, we are designed to think about the past, to think about the future, being in the present is actually kind of an unnatural state for us. And so... um. It, it it's it takes some extra mindfulness and effort to do that. And, you know, I don't know about you, but just kind of talking to people who ask those questions, well, what about this and what about that? And they want someone to provide an answer, right? It's yes. like, well, maybe the district will should provide an answer about that. Or maybe, you know, kind of looking for those answers. And it's, what would you say to someone who is struggling with that uncertainty? Like, I am stressed out about these questions. I want to know. I want to plan, but I can't plan and I don't know. And so how, how does someone exist in that state? The one thing you're making me think about is that sometimes we're in, when we're in this place of uncertainty and um, we might be responding with a fight response and, and maybe we don't even realize that, but when you're having a fight response, you tend to get angry you tend to get angry and you tend you tend to like start blaming and lashing out because you're feeling the vulnerability of not knowing what's next. And so, you know, you want to holler at this person, you want to chew out that person. Um, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you giving me answers? And that is very much a fight response. And so I think the first thing is to just recognize that. Um, what do you think a flight response would look like? I mean, flight doesn't need to be physical flight, like running away. Right. It's just, right. it's avoidance, right? So like, there's like the shutting down, which is freezing, right? But then there's like avoidance um, of whatever it is that is causing you unpleasant feelings, right? So the thing about flight and shutting down or flight and freeze is that they can look pretty similar. Yeah, in my, because it's sort of mental, right? In my mind, flight would be, I don't want to think about this. I'm going to yeah. dive head first into something else. And so yeah. flight is sort of like a denial. Um, yeah. I'm going to deny that any of this is happening and I'm just going to jump in and go full force into something else. Yeah. Whereas a shutdown would be detaching. Yeah. A shutdown is when you pull back and you withdraw and you just say, I can do the bare minimum and I can't do any more than that. And you start kind of detaching from your connections, which is, you know, kind of the last thing you want to do when you're feeling that way, because you really need the support and the empathy and the shared experience of other folks. But the challenge is when you get in that space, you, you might need someone to reach down and pull you out uh, because you are withdrawing and pulling back. Yeah. And I think that with, freezing or shutting down you detach from yourself and so i think that in those states almost it's hard to even know that what you need is to reach out to someone or that you need someone to help you in that moment and because you just you're detaching from everything yeah you know 
flight could mean that you are, like you said, diving head into one specific thing, even though you're not fully detaching from yourself. There, there, you still have some some connection with how you're feeling, right? Like most people that are in flight are at least at some level aware that they are in flight um, or, you know, trying to avoid situations. Yeah, maybe. So talking about how we cope with uncertainty, you know, sometimes we might um, fight or fly or shut down is reminding me of this uh, chapter from the Zen teacher that we use when we're doing our in-person taproot training. And it's this chapter about acceptance. When you have uncertainty and you have these unknowns and no one has the information for you, then what's left is to accept it. And that's very different from fighting it or running away from it or shutting down from it. So let's talk about what does acceptance look like? And so the first thing in this chapter from the book, the author talks about how we need to manage our expectations and accept that the answers are not here right now. And that's going to feel disappointing. It's going to feel disappointing. And I think it's important just to feel it, to say, I'm really disappointed I don't have these answers right now. I'm feeling uncertain. Knowing that you might not have the answers today, but the answers can only come when they're going to come, right? If we somehow have some clarity about what's going to happen in two weeks, whether or not you're disappointed about that, you know, or whether, you know, it's going to come in two weeks. And so accepting those feelings and saying, well, whether I accept it or not, it's coming in two weeks. Right. Um, If we could make some magical prediction about when the answers would come. Yes. Because what are we trying to fight? We're trying to fight or run away from or deny these feelings of intense discomfort. And so if we just allow them to be and say to ourselves, I'm feeling very uncomfortable because there's these unknowns that are that are making me feel nervous or afraid and just say okay that's how it is this is how I feel and these things are unknown and that's uh, upsetting to me it's disappointing to me and acknowledging that and kind of talking yourself through it will probably help you have a more moderate response than you know running away or fighting or shutting down and there are certain things that are harder to accept than others and one of the things that I know or that helps to signal to me that I'm not accepting something is when I make statements that are kind of like in my head that are things like this shouldn't be this way. Ah, uh, yeah. That, that person shouldn't be like that. Yes. They should know not to do that. And when those things start popping up in my head, that's probably a good clue that I'm not accepting something about a situation, you know, because yeah. it's like, no, they shouldn't be that way. no, People shouldn't be walking around with their mask around their neck. Yes, people should be keeping six feet of distance, but they're not. You know, it's like, right. it's just a subtle shift that's like, okay, no, they shouldn't, but they are. Yeah. The word should for me is always a red flag. As soon as I hear myself say or think the word should, I'm like, uh oh, what's going on here? 
And we could do a whole episode on the word should. <laughs> yeah, and I don't um, think it always involves the word should. I think for me, I don't necessarily use that word. But it's why are they like that? Why are they doing that? Why are they, you know, it's like yeah. sometimes the word why. <laughs> right, or, right. Know, it's, it's just that should for me is a particular red flag. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm shoulding. Uh, why am I shoulding? Because the word uh, should is trying to have control over something in the past. And we can't control something in the past. And just like why, I can't get inside someone's head and figure out why they're doing a thing. Um, and so we, we're kind of trying to have control or knowledge that is just not accessible. So um, in this chapter of the book, the next thing the author says that we need to do in order to have acceptance is we need to just surrender to what the circumstance is. Surrender to it and don't fight it. Yeah. I, I'm not sure why, but there is a tendency for people to think that acceptance somehow means being okay with the situation as if those, right. you know, as if there's, there, you would not want to change it. Right. And I think that just for you listening out there, if you're like, what do you mean accept it? Like, this isn't right. This is unjust. This is, you know, insert whatever judgment you have about the situation. And just to be clear, when we say acceptance, we're not saying accept it and then don't do anything about it. Don't take any action and just be a victim of the world. That's not what acceptance means. No. Um, and so what, like, what do you have to say about, or what would you say to people who are thinking that? What would you say to people who maybe their first thought was, acceptance i'm not just gonna roll over right well deepak chopra has this great quote about acceptance and what he says is basically that acceptance is the first step to be able to change anything yeah. because unless we accept things the way that they are we can't see our way through to changing something and we want to skip steps sometimes and acceptance is usually a step that we want to skip because it feels uncomfortable. And even in the case of serious injustice, it's important to say this injustice exists right now. It looks like this. It acts like that. It affects people this way. And, and then when we accept that it exists and how it exists, then we can make a plan to move forward. But if we don't accept how it is and we get into some sort of denial or we start fighting in a way that we're just kind of flailing against the thing we don't like, um, we're not going to be able to affect change. What this lends itself to is getting into these shouldn't cycles. If you don't accept the thing as it is, as, you know, let's just use your example of injustice. It's, you know, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. People shouldn't do And you kind of get caught in that thinking. And it's really not a practical problem solving mindset because you just you just get caught in. I, I'm just wondering if maybe people think that that will change it if, if I stay there. Right. If I if I complain about the thing and I'm not saying that like being vocal is not helpful in certain movements. But if I if I just marinate in the shouldn't and the cycle of shouldn't then am I making any meaningful contribution or progress toward the thing that I'm saying that I care about? You know, I just think about people who, you know, th there's like this idea of, or, you know, especially in the age of social media, it's like social media activism. 
where, you know, people kind of mistake tweeting or posting something on Facebook as activism. That frustrates me so much. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so they are to me getting stuck in shouldn't cycles. I'm not saying that there is not a use for that, especially if a platform, but I'm saying if that's all you're doing, it's kind of, you know, it shouldn't be this way, but how is, you know, that thing actually making a meaningful impact? And I'm sure there could be some debate about, you know, maybe that does have some kind of impact, but I, you know, I just think about plans of action and I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around the idea that a tweet or a Facebook post is going to change anyone's mind. No, I totally agree with you. Um, In fact, uh, the next piece, the last piece in this acceptance chapter offers this advice of um, viewing the situation as a spectator. And so kind of what you're describing right now is you're describing the awareness stage. There's always this moment where we come to awareness of something. And so let me bring it back down to something really like grounded and basic. So let's say that we were not in this current COVID situation and it was just regular old May and we were stressed out about our teaching assignment for next year. Whether you knew what it was or you didn't know what it was, let's say that you're just stressed out about it and you've come to awareness of this thing. So the next question then is, okay, now you're in awareness. What is available for you to do, right? Because getting into the shoulds is, like I said, you're trying to change something that has already occurred. Let's accept how it is, and then let's ask ourselves, what is available for me to do about this? There are some answers, and you might have to uh, be creative, and there might not be an answer, and then that's important to know, too. What is available for me to do about this right now? What is not available for me to do about this right now? Um, And so it's, it's difficult when it's happening to you, right? When it's a personal situation, but to try and take a few steps back and look at it as a spectator and say, if I were watching someone else go through this, what would I see that that person could do? And what is that person not able to do. And I think writing it is really important, making a T-chart on one side going like what I can do and on the other side saying what I can't do and just writing it out. There's really a power in writing. Yes. You know, when you keep the thoughts in your head, it just kind of circles around. Um, There's this, yeah, there's this, this thing about writing it down that makes it more tangible and almost makes it easier for you to actually see your thoughts as a spectator Yes. Um, like we were mentioning before. And so if you just did a T-chart, what can I do? What can I not? And even if you could probably list it in, in your head, writing it down actually really helps for you to just compare side by side. And yeah, like like you said, Lauren, if there's not much for you to do, well, then that's really important to know. I mean, that could help you get to a place of deeper acceptance. Yeah, because in any place of uncertainty, there are things that we know. There just aren't enough of them. And so if we can look at an uncertain situation and we can identify, here's what I know, or here's what I'm able to do, here's what I don't know, and here's what I'm not able to do, then we can get some perspective on what's happening. And for the things that we are able to do, we can take some action on those, which will help us to feel better about the situation. And even if there is an action for us to take, 
will feel better having some clarity about what's going on. Yeah, I think all that makes sense. So we are really interested in your thoughts and your ideas, dearest listeners. And we have two questions we would love for you to answer. Um, The first question is, what is working well for you right now to stay grounded? How are you staying grounded? How are you staying in the present? And then our second question is, what challenges are you facing as we switch to distance learning? And you can even throw in some comments about how challenging it is for you to cope with uncertainty and how challenging it is to accept certain situations. Um, We would love for you to give us a call and just leave us a voicemail message. The number is 619-719-5095. And you'll be prompted with some instructions of leaving your name and uh, what site you work at. And just any thoughts that you have on either one of these questions or both, we would love to hear from you. All right. So to add a little bit of lightheartedness to the podcast, we're going to do something called Quarantine Quirks. Quarantine Quirks. This is a segment on the show where we talk about weird things we've noticed about either ourselves or other situations outside of ourselves. And so, Lauren, you go first. What is your quarantine quirk? Uh, this one's this one's a little bit embarrassing, but I'm totally obsessed with TikTok. Like, I can't stop. I Why seriously... Well, because it's, you know, I'm not the youngest person ever. <laughs> I'm not really the target audience for TikTok, but I am noticing on some of the videos that, you know, Gen X is really jumping in on the TikTok craze. Um, but I, the the thing that's more embarrassing than just watching the videos is that I know all the freaking songs. <laughs> yeah, no. I can't stop. Don't be suspicious. Don't, don't worry, Lauren. Don't this is a judgment-free zone. Just between <laughs> you and I and all 15 of our listeners. We're not judging you. Yeah, we won't talk about how many times I've watched that Like a River video. <laughs> <laughs> or, like or how when you watch a TikTok and then you're just like trying to live your normal life in the kitchen and the next thing you know, one of those sounds comes on. Yeah. I feel yeah, like. maybe it's, the it's kids bad. know a little something about social media because TikTok <laughs> is pretty entertaining. I don't care what anyone says. Right. And don't even like my friends right now, any of my friends listening to the podcast are like, oh, my God, she sends me so many TikTok videos all day long. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, confession, I introduced Lauren to TikTok and now yes. I'm ruined. So sorry, not sorry. I'm not it is sure. Lon's fault. Blame Lon. Send all of your complaints to Lon. Once again, the number is 619-719-5095. Yes. Please go there and leave a voicemail. <laughs> that Lon will presently delete. <laughs> all right. I'm not the only quirky one. What about you? Uh, for me, it's this weird, you know, it's so odd because I think normally our work days are super structured and we have this pattern and it's, you know, having to create this pattern for yourself of, you know, I'm in quotes, productivity, whatever that means during this time. Right. But for me, it's just setting simple alarms to do very simple things. Like if I don't have an alarm on I, I mean, it's it's just not happening. Like I literally have to set alarms for myself just to 
I feel like just to breathe, like, okay, insert 10 breaths at approximately 10 a.m. I got an alarm for that. You know, it's like, all right, go on a walk for 15 minutes at this time. And it's, you know, just having to remind myself to do super simple things, like even stuff as simple as like, don't forget to write notes down on a paper in your notebook. It's just so (laughs) interesting how much more effort that takes, you know? These aren't things I would, like, I'm literally writing these things as agenda items. Right? My my first item on my to-do list is write a to-do list. So that takes a lot Oh my gosh, Lon, I didn't know it was getting that bad that you can't remember to write a to-do list. My second item is exist. So on that, on those two things, it's like, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty, I'm doing pretty all right. But it's just so interesting how much more inertia there is just to like do simple things that are just, yeah, I think it's about being at home too. For me, home is like my, like my comfort space, my, my relaxation space. And so now it's, it's having to push against that and do work and, you know, by the time I'm done writing my to-do list, I'm like, it's time for a nap. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm like, dang. Wow, that to-do list just took it out of me. <laughs> it really did. I had like seven whole items on there. And, oh my God. And then like doing it and then just, it's just, it's so, I don't know if anyone else out there relates to this, but just a feeling of like everything feels harder. Like some things feel a lot harder. It's like, there's like some time you get back from not having to commute and whatnot, but certain things just feel like, it's just so much more effort um, right to, uh, literally feel accomplished writing a to-do list like that's yeah. where I'm at yeah well and to me that's sort of the interesting thing about the quarantine is that there are these unexpected sort of gifts it's a gift to let go of some structure it's a gift to take time to laugh and be silly and have fun and you know, connect with your inner teenager. Um, it's it's frustrating and it's difficult and it's scary and it's challenging. And there are also some gifts embedded into this time. Yes. And uh, that's making me think about this quote that we pulled for our podcast today. And it's by Eckhart Tolle. And he says, some changes look negative on the surface, but you will soon realize that space is being created in your life for something new to emerge. So thanks for joining us on our second episode of our podcast. And please subscribe wherever you receive your podcast. And we'll see you next time. We will. Have a great week.